Man, this has been a great time. I'm so glad that some of y'all shot me with a paintball. Um, it's been a sweet time of getting to hang out with you and uh, getting to be here at Shaco Springs. I hope that you've gotten to know somebody from one of the other churches, right? I think that that's important. One of the fun things for me is I've done a lot of travels, done a lot of travels, and I've been to different types of places. I even went on a mystery trip for a mission trip. In other words, I went to an airport one time and I had no idea where I was going when I showed up to the airport. It was to help catalyze more mission trips through a particular church I was part of. And I went to a place called Baku, Azerbaijan. Anybody heard of the country of Azerbaijan? Baku, Azerbaijan, that's where I went to. And I never heard of it. I couldn't even pronounce it properly. I showed up, I went all the way to the Iranian border and I met with a house church, a group of believers in that part of the world, and they felt like brothers and sisters to me immediately because of King Jesus. It was amazing. I couldn't even really speak their language, and I had to use the translator, and it felt like family. So I hope that you've had that time with your own group. I hope you've gotten to know a few other people, and I can just testify this to you right now. There is no fellowship like the fellowship of the saints, of the body of Jesus Christ coming together. It's, it's incredible. I want you to lean into that. I'm really saying this. I'm not just rambling. I'm saying this because you're going to need that next week. You're going to need that next week because some of you are going to be on, a, on an island. Some of you are going to be in places where your family, they don't want to follow Jesus. Those uh, different scenarios, social scenarios that you find yourself in, they don't want to follow Jesus. You're going to feel the immediate pressure to actually, yeah, it's not important that I go to church. It's not important that I read my Bible. It's not important that I pray, and you're going to feel those pressures immediately. My advice to you is lean into the local church. Lean into fellowship with the saints, okay? So we've been going through this uh, particular uh, theme. It's called the calling. We've been going through called to the gospel, and then we went into called to the word. Y'all remember that one at least, right? Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a what? A light to my path, right? I'm actually going to quiz us on one because I feel like I've forgotten it from this morning too, but that's in just a second, so let me warm your minds up in just a second. All right, called to the world. We went through Matthew 28, 19. What does it say? Go therefore and... Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right? That's important for us to do. And then we looked at, at least this morning, for the title of our message tonight, the title of our message uh, from this morning, uh, which is called to look like Jesus, and it's 1 John 2, 6. Um, what does it say again? Come on. I, like, I'm telling you. I'm trying to remember it. Who's got it? Anybody got it? You got it? Go ahead. Tell us. That's very good. Whoever says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Come on, let's do it again because I'd forgotten it too, right? Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. All right, so we're taking a look at this called to look like Jesus. So the fundamental question that I want to ask this morning, as we're going to be driven to God's word, which is John chapter 4, John chapter 4, verses 1 through 15, is this question, what does it look like to look like Jesus? What does it look like 
to look like Jesus. I mean, that's what we're talking about after all. The essence of all this stuff, camps, worship, church, reading your Bible, uh, Sunday school classes or Wednesday nights, all these types of things, it's all about Jesus. Jesus is the center of it all, right? Like that song says, right? He really is. He's center of the church. He's center of everything. And um, quite frankly, students, that's the game. No matter what your age is here, hey, grow up and grow up by looking like Jesus. Well, what does that mean? That's something that we should really be thinking about because... When I'm saying that, I don't want to just say something in theory world. You know what I mean? Like in theory world. Where we say wonderful, like Christianese type of statements that have no kind of bearing on it, no practicality upon it. What does it mean for those of you who are going into ninth grade? That means you're showing up to the high school now. Who's going into ninth grade? Just raise your hand. I'm not getting you to do anything. All right. So y'all going into the ninth grade. What in the world does it mean to look like Jesus going into the ninth grade? What does it look like to look like Jesus when you are on that sports team? Or like when you're in a serious relationship? There probably is a good chance that there are some serious relationships in the room right now. And if you're in the middle school and high school kind of zone, that means you're... You shouldn't be married yet. I hope you're not married yet. What does it look like then to look like Jesus when you got the boyfriend-girlfriend dynamic going on? What does it look to look like Jesus when you are on your phone and no one else sees you? And it's just you. What does it look to look like Jesus when you are by yourself or you find yourself among strangers or you find yourself you know what I'm talking about with those fellas with that group they really really know you you guys y'all have a squad like that I've got a squad like that they really really know you they're like yeah <laughs> you're faking we can tell right because they just really really know you what does it look like students to look like Jesus that's why I love John chapter 4, because what at least we're going to see is we're going to see our collective hero. He's our hero. He's our Lord. He's our king. And we're going to see him in a very ordinary moment. Because what I want to prepare you for through the preaching of God's word is to look like Jesus in your ordinary moments. In your very ordinary, plain, mundane moments. So let's take a look at the text. John chapter 4. Let's take a look at least the first four verses right here. Because we just see Jesus who is journeying. He's on a journey. It says, now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees, those religious Jewish people, had heard that Jesus was making more disciples and baptizing more disciples than John. That's in reference to John the Baptist. And then it gives a point of clarification in verse 2. Although Jesus himself did not baptize, 
but only his disciples. Take a look at this. He left Judea and departed again for Galilee. Okay, so these are like terms that um, honestly is like, you know, if we were living in that area, you know, it makes sense to us. We need more terms like he left Montgomery and he went to Talladega. He, he left Montgomery and he went to Mobile. We need something like that. So some of you are just reading that and you're kind of going, okay, that's cool. He left Judea. Okay, that's an area. That's a region. It's kind of like a state, Judea. And he departed again for Galilee. So like, in essence, almost from one region to another region. From one state to another state. Going from Alabama to Mississippi. Something of that nature. He left Judea. That's kind of where Jerusalem is. So it kind of is a bit more of a stronger epicenter of Jewish culture and life. But so is Galilee as well. He left this spot right here. So here's Judea. And in the back of the room, he went to Galilee. All right, but here's what's cool. It says right here in verse 4, and he had to pass through what? Say it out loud so that I know that you're paying attention. Samaria. Samaria. He had to pass through Samaria. Let me give you point number one. What does it look like to look like Jesus? Number one, it means that we are called to walk his walk. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to walk his walk. You need to walk his walk. Because what we do see in this very ordinary moment is that here we are. We're in Judea. And Jesus left Judea. And he went all the way to Galilee. But it says that he had to pass through Samaria. Now here's something that's really interesting about Samaria. You guys need to lock in here because you're really going to be blessed by this for your daily walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. When he left Judea and he departed for Galilee, he had to go through this place called Samaria. Have you ever heard of like that parable of the good Samaritan? You've heard of that before, right? Right? You've heard of things like that in the Bible and a great story like that? That's that region. Okay, there's a little bit of a problem though. That's like going to the wrong side of town. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Everybody, if you're on one side of town, there's another side of town that is the, the wrong side of town. And that's kind of the way that it kind of functions, right? And so this is something that is very fascinating in the text because he's in Judea. He kind of is supposed to belong in a place like Judea. Why? Because it's mainly for Jewish people. There's all sorts of other kind of people, but it's mainly for Jewish people. He's going to Galilee. Galilee's got places like Capernaum. He really knows that type of area. But that's, there's an area in the middle. It's like that spot you're not supposed to go to. It's that spot that you're actually supposed to avoid. In fact, most Pharisees, you remember that's a phrase right there that showed up in verse 1 of John chapter 4. Most Pharisees, if they wanted to be a good Jew, okay, a good Jew, they would actually, on occasion... Over here, if you think of the geography, over here would actually be the Dead Sea. You all ever heard of that before? And then on this side would be the Jordan River. And at the top, it would be kind of the Sea of Galilee. And sometimes a good Jew, trying to be a good Jew, would not go through Samaria. You want to know why? Because Samaritans and Jews don't get along. They don't hang out. There's, there's a difference of theology. There's a difference of culture. One group says we worship on this mountain. The other group says we worship on this mountain. One group kind of follows this version of like the old scriptures. 
This group follows the other version of the scriptures, and they don't like hanging out with each other. So most Pharisees and Jews, what they would do is they would skip to the loo over this way to avoid Samaria altogether. Hold on a second. Do you walk his walk? Do you, students, today, upcoming for school and in your lives, do you walk his walk? Because it says in verse 4 that he had to pass through Samaria. There's a few things about Jesus' walk that if you want to look like Jesus, you need to imitate. You want to know one of the things that he does? His walk is intentional. And when I say his walk is intentional, he has a purpose for what he does. When he walks around, he is doing it with intentionality. A lot of your lives are so free flow that you really don't know what you're doing with your life. But if you would open your eyes, students, God has good works. God has wonderful things in store for you every single day if you would just open your eyes. Ways for you to encourage other people. Ways for you to proclaim the gospel. Ways for you to be kind in the lunchroom. Ways for you to definitely demonstrate that you are following Jesus. If you would just open your eyes that you are to be intentional with your walk. But more important than just being intentional, you also need to be inclusive. I love that I follow King Jesus who doesn't avoid places like Samaria. But I am a little bit worried and concerned about our Christians and our churches today because we have become, become the kind of people, God forgive us, that try to avoid Samaria. That's why I love living in New Orleans. I know the reputation of New Orleans. I know. But I like lighting up the darkness. I know that there are issues all around the world. Guess what? I know that there are issues in your communities too. And if you want to look like Jesus, maybe you need to break out of your holy huddle every now and then. If you want to really look like Jesus, maybe you need to start opening your eyes that all around you, there are people who are hurting, who are broken, who are lost, and you have the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ in you, and he has appointed you to walk just like him. I'm asking some of you students to break up your cliques a little bit. I'm asking some of you to break up your clubs just a little bit. If you find yourself only hanging out with the same kind of people, if you find yourself hanging out with only the same type of people, and you realize that you're doing that again and again and again, I've got very plain news for you. You ain't walking like Jesus walked. Because his walk was intentional and it was inclusive. We're called to walk his walk. We're also, secondly, called to talk his talk. Turn to your neighbor and say, do you talk his talk? Do you talk his talk? There we go. Just waking you all up just a little bit. Check this out because this is really good right here, okay? Because 
Let's go ahead and have one of those Captain Obvious questions. Who here, by a raise of your hand, is tired? Okay, maybe, maybe the whole room. Maybe the whole room. All right? Check this out from verse 5. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jacob is a reference, an Old Testament reference. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, look at this, wearied, tired as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. Let's keep on reading. We're going to really start to focus on the woman from Samaria, but not just yet. But it does say this in verse 7. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. I'm betting because he was thirsty. Because he was wearied from his journey. Give me a drink. And then look at verse 8. For his disciples had gone away into the city to what? To buy food. Here's some really cool things about Jesus and his talk. The way in which Jesus talks. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of accent, you know, y'all have such brilliant Alabama accents, you know what I mean? And I don't have one of those Cajun accents. I know, I wish I did, but I don't. I'm not talking about one of those kind of accents. I'm talking about his style, his approach to communicating and talking with others. He was informal, but most importantly, we see in this particular moment, he was relatable. Guys, he was tired, he was hungry, and he was thirsty. Have you been uh, thirsty at all this week? Have you been um, hungry at all this week? Have you been tired at all this week? You see, one of the cool things that I love about King Jesus, because I need you to know all of this is about Jesus, Jesus, only Jesus. Man, I adore King Jesus. I love Jesus. And what's really cool about him is that he is 100% God. We worship God who is Father, Son, and Spirit, the triune God. God who is Father, Son, and Spirit. In other words, we believe, Orthodox Christians believe that Jesus was and is 100% God. Amen? That's pretty awesome. But here's a cool thing, too. And this is why I love Jesus. Because as much as he is 100% God, he is also, also 100% man. We believe in the 100% aspect of his divinity and 100% aspect of his humanity, as John Stott refers to him as the 100% God-man. In other words, you and I follow a Lord, King Jesus, who is completely relatable to us and to the human experience. Now, you want to look like Jesus? What does it look like to look like Jesus? You really want to look like Jesus? You need to reflect the manner by which Jesus is relating to the woman at the well. He relates to people. 
I'm asking you students, guess what? Use sports. Use those things in your life that are not idols and not sinful and use them. Don't think that you have to apologize for them, but use things like sports to relate to others. Use things like hobbies and shared interests to relate to others. Because that's what it means to look like Jesus. Now, some of you are saying, okay, I need to go and relate to people and do what they do. Okay, I know what they're doing on Friday night. I know what they're doing on Saturday night. That means, uh-oh, Pastor Greg just gave me a license. Oh, I got to relate to some people on Friday night. And I got to relate to some people on Saturday night. You're taking it too far. Jesus, in this particular example, is not sinning with people. He is sitting with people in their sin. And there's a difference. He's not sinning with people. He's sitting with people in their sin. So I am releasing some of you right now in partnership and in close cooperation with your local church to learn how to actually live like Jesus and look like Jesus by doing your best to relate to other people. If we are hungry and if we are thirsty and if we are tired, we can harness those things to know how to relate to others. Do you all have any idea how rampant anxiety and depression is today? I deal with anxiety. I do. So why not use it like I am right now to tell you that Jesus is faithful to me even in my own anxiety. And I'm going to show you through my life. Why not use those? This is important. What does it look like to look like Jesus? You need to walk his walk. We're called to that. You need to talk his talk. You need to see number three, too, because this is most important right here, I think. Number three and number four, we are called to convey his greatness. What does it look like to look like Jesus? It centers around what we're actually conveying. But what is Jesus conveying? Check this out for verses 9 and 10 right here. It says, now, here we go into the woman. The Samaritan woman said to him, do you see this? We already talked about this a little bit. How is it that you, a Jew, she's speaking to Jesus. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? We get that now. Samaritans and Jews don't deal with each other. That's what it says in our scripture right here. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Check it out what verse 10 says. Jesus answered her. Listen to this, please. Listen to this. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Can I give you my modern translation for this? Verse 9. Take a look at it. Samaritan woman says, do you know who you're messing with? Do you know who you're messing with? Verse 10, what does Jesus do? Uh, no. Do you know who you're messing with? 
You know, I had my car stolen one time in New Orleans. Yeah, we talked about New Orleans just briefly. This was a long time ago. This was uh, a good while back. Man, I had a, like one of those old school forerunners. Oh, sweet. It was awesome. But I had this one particular guy who had just graduated from a drug rehabilitation ministry, and I was kind of discipling him. His name was JJ. He had to move from nearby the seminary over to an area in Metairie called Fat City. He moved over there. Yes, it's called Fat City. He couldn't actually work in this area anymore, so I had to pick him up and drop him off for a good amount of time so that he could keep on going to work as he was trying to move away from a life of drugs and enter into this new life that he has in Christ. I had to go to a wedding in California, so JJ had a predicament. So I decided, I said, you know what, JJ, we're boys, we're buds. I want you to use my forerunner while I'm gone. Big mistake. <laughs> Big mistake. Why? Well, JJ, I was giving him a gift maybe he couldn't handle at the moment. Because midway through my time that I was gone, my brother called me. He says, have you heard from JJ lately? I said, no, I haven't. He said, well, JJ's gone. He's not showing up to work. And so is your forerunner. I said, oh, goodness. Oh, goodness. So there's this man, his name is Mel Jones. He's one of my heroes of the faith. He's living today. I, I would love to introduce some of you to him when you're down in New Orleans and you come to visit me there at Level College. Mel Jones is one of my heroes of the faith. Now, uh, let me go ahead and preface this by telling you guys something, okay? I'm not hardcore. See this smile? I'm not hardcore. I... I I will handle any situation and scenario, but I, I grew up around the church and in the things of church and everything like that, so I'm not hardcore. Hey, Mel Jones? Oh, oh yeah, he's hardcore. <laughs> he's the one that actually came out of that drug culture and God miraculously saved him. I can't tell you the kind of things that he went through and endured and how God saved him out of that life, and he's leaving, leading this vibrant ministry in the city of New Orleans. So Mel Jones is the one that comes and picks me up from the airport. I decide that I'm going to put on camo shorts and a, a shirt that makes my muscles look a little bit bigger. Because I'm not hardcore, but that's what you do when you try to act hardcore, right? So I go with Mel, and he picks me up from the airport. I have no idea where my forerunner is. And Mel just pauses and says, let's pray. What do you mean, pray? we got to go find my car. Now, let's pray. And he says, God, show us where JJ is. Long story short, we take random turns in the city of New Orleans, and we see JJ sitting on a porch. We see JJ sitting on a porch. We roll up in the van, and Mel says, I'll take it from here. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> right? So we go on up and we grab JJ and throw him into the van and uh, Mel starts talking to him and he says, JJ, what you done with Pastor Greg's car? Oh man, I've done nothing with it. We can tell he's starting to use again. He has fallen into that temptation of drugs. So we can tell that he's using. Where's the vehicle? Where's, our, where's, the, where's the car? The fellas inside have it. The fellas inside have it. And Mel's like, all right, 
let's go. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Remember, I'm not hardcore. I'm not. <laughs> we go inside. And I'm, look, it's just, it's just not something I've been used to. But there's like white powdery everything everywhere. Like there's just drugs everywhere. Every, everywhere. Counters and packages of drugs. Drugs and drugs and drugs. Just everywhere. And one of the guys has the audacity to have a gun tucked into his, uh, his pants, like right here. Like, you're going to shoot yourself. Why would you do that? Put it in a holster. But yeah, because I'm hardcore, right? I realize I'm out of my element. I really am out of my element. Pastor Mel all of a sudden speaks up and he goes, my name is Pastor Mel. This is Pastor Greg. JJ was using Pastor Greg's car. We hear you got it. We want it back. I'm kind of in my mind going, yeah. <laughs> they start laughing at us because we just look like an odd bunch. They just start laughing at us. Pastor Mel, he all of a sudden starts doing this move, and I'm telling you, it freaked me out. He goes, don't mess with me. I live this life. And I'm going, don't mess with me. <laughs> I didn't live this life. <laughs> I'm serious. I was so freaking out. Anyways, so what happens is these guys say, um, give us X amount of money. We'll tell you where it is. Mel says, uh, double that and show us where it is. So we go and we get my vehicle. <laughs> we find it. There are drugs in my vehicle too. So this is fun times. And um, we actually take JJ. I know it sounds funny, but these are the details and the truth of the story. We take JJ to an Arby's. And we hang out with him. He re-enters into the program. But you want to know the coolest thing about this story? Pastor Mel led one of those drug dealers to the Lord Jesus. And he entered into that drug, ministry, drug rehab ministry on the spot. And I had one of those moments like, Pastor Mel, who am I messing with? Hold on, have y'all ever been around like a godly, look-like-Jesus kind of person like Pastor Mel? Where you're just around them, and you're like, who am I messing with? Who is this? That was Pastor Mel for me. Zero in on me right now, students, because I need you to hear this very clearly. Do you actually know who you're messing with? When it comes to Jesus. I think a lot of you are actually saying the exact same thing that the Samaritan woman said to Jesus. Um, why are you talking to me? Why are you messing with me? But I want you to hear very plainly, students. I hope you know who you're messing with. The great one. The great one, King Jesus. Do you know there's only one way to salvation, one way to heaven? You know there's only one begotten son? Do you know there's only one who's ever lived a perfect life? Do you know there's one who's been tempted in every way that we have been tempted, yet he was without sin? 
Do you know that there's only one who had the power of God to perform signs, miracles, and wonders that he was able to do while walking on this earth? Do you know that there was only one who was able and capable and desired to willingly put himself upon a cruel, agonizing cross? Do you know there is only one who could be on that cross and do it in such a way that when he is on that cross, he's on that cross for you, for me, and for all who would call upon his name. Do you know there is only one who could actually utilize that cross in such a way that your sins would be forgiven and cast as far as the east is from the west and remembered no, no more? Do you know that there is only one who has that power from God to be able to come back to life from the dead. There is only one who will be upon that throne where we will be crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on that throne and to the Lamb. Do you actually have any idea who you're messing with? If you want to look like Jesus, what does it look like to look like Jesus? Oh, yeah, you better start conveying his greatness. Because, ladies and gentlemen, King Jesus is the great one, and he's worthy of your worship, my worship, the worship of all nations. This is why I close and just look at this last point right here. What does it look like to look like Jesus? It looks like that we are ultimately called to him. If you want to look like him, You've got to feel called to him. Because ultimately, this is what Jesus does with the woman at the well. Verse 11, the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water, yeah, they're going to be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him, will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And I love this right here because this is what exactly we should be doing as we long to look like Jesus in our everyday life, in our ordinary moments. Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Ultimately, listen to me, students. A call to look like Jesus is a call to live like him in every way possible. And those who know, you know. You know that you see this story right here. And the thing that you are called to is Jesus himself. That's what you're called to. Those who don't know, they don't know. You know, those who know Jesus, they really do know Jesus. Those who don't know, you don't know. But Jesus is softly and tenderly calling to you and I, to sinners, to come home. That's what he's doing. He is calling you out right now to come home. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's invite Jesus to help us to respond to what he's saying to us right now.
If you know, I want to give you a time to close your eyes real quick. Unfortunately, some of you are going to use this as an opportunity to sleep. Honestly, I can't help you. Maybe you really are that tired. But I want you to close your eyes for just a second. And some of those of you who are hearing and the Spirit of God is moving upon your heart and life, listen to me right now. If you truly know Jesus as Savior and Lord, not looking around, it's just between you and God. Just say, I know by raising your hand. I know Jesus. I know Jesus. I know Jesus. Put your hands down. If there's any of you here tonight being bold, no one looking around, and you're actually at a place right now where you have discovered maybe you don't know Jesus. Is there anyone here, no one looking around, but you're saying, you know what? I don't know Jesus, and I want to know Jesus tonight. With no one looking around, is there anyone here who would raise their hand and say, I don't know Jesus yet, but tonight I want to know him. Would you raise your hand? You can put it down. Is there anyone else? Well, I praise God. I praise God because in, in at least in this particular moment right now, we have some people who don't know Jesus. They're hearing Jesus call out to them, and they want to know Jesus. So here's what we want to do tonight. We're going to provide those who raised their hand just a second ago, those who said you don't know Jesus, your assignment when we start worshiping is to go immediately to talk to me or to one of the leaders. That's your assignment. When we stand in just a bit, I encourage you to do that. And if there's anyone else who feels like they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and he's calling you tonight, I invite you to do the same. I invite you to respond. I invite you to make sure that you know that you know. Because this is what matters. So let me go to the Lord in prayer. Stay with me, friends. Don't fall asleep. God wants to do something special in your heart and life. He's already doing that. We've had a sweet time of response already. But he's wanting to do something special in your heart and life. Don't miss out on these opportunities. Heavenly Father, help these students to see that the enemy is at work to distract them. The enemy is at work to make them focus on how tired they are. But Holy Spirit, do the work that only you can do. Help these students to be obedient to whatever you are saying to them right now. And as we have this time of worship, Holy Spirit, help these students to be courageous in responding to that voice, your voice, tonight. Help them to immediately go and to talk with somebody about what's going on in their heart and life for salvation, for baptism, for ministry, for the ways in which you are calling us out. Thank you for calling us out. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together.
Let's have a time of response. Let's have a time where we sing. And if that is you, that's somebody here who already had a moment where you said, I don't know and I want to know, I invite you. Go ahead. Get moving. What are you waiting on? Go ahead and get moving. Because Jesus is wanting to save you. You can know that you know that you know that you have a relationship with Jesus. So don't wait. Don't tarry. Don't doubt. But trust. Because this could be the hour of your salvation. This could be the hour of a great, important decision for what the Lord Jesus is doing in your heart and life. So let's sing and let's praise Jesus together. And let's respond as the Spirit leads.